You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. Hey, Rain fans, another episode of the Rain Check. Jared Shaffron alongside Josh Schaefer. And unfortunately, coming to you uh, without the best circumstances, the rain season is over. Uh, it came to an abrupt end on Sunday, a loss to Colorado by a final score of 5-2 in game number three. It was a sweep for the Eagles, who did everything right in the Pacific Division semifinals. They advanced to face the Stockton Heat, which should be a great series. Uh, two teams that have not yet lost a game in the postseason. So definitely for, for any of you who are interested in continuing to follow the Calder Cup playoffs, there are some great teams remaining. Unfortunately, a great team that had a great season in the Ontario Reign is done. And we will talk a little bit about what happened in that second round series with Colorado and then recap what was a fantastic regular season and a year that saw a lot of growth for a lot of players in the LA Kings system, but ultimately came to an end a little bit earlier. And, um, you know, another thing too is, is the players are, are going to be coming in for some exit meetings with the coaching staff, with the management groups, development staff for the LA Kings. And we do expect to have some discussions with them and kind of get their thoughts on the season as well. So if you're not, uh, staying close attention to the Ontario Rain social media and YouTube. We're going to be having some some interviews coming up as well uh, outside of this podcast. So, and we'll talk about the podcast a little bit uh, as well. But Josh, uh, you know, now that you've had a little bit longer of a, of some time to think about it, I, I know my thoughts on things have changed a little bit once I put it into perspective the season a little bit. I'm not sure. You know, if, if things have changed for you based on our conversations on, on the night of on Sunday when when everything transpired and now, you know, we're recording this a couple of days later. Uh, are you are you feeling the same way or did, did your thoughts change at all after Sunday? Um, they've changed a little bit um, because to be completely honest with you. If you look at the adversity that the team went through all season, um, they I mean, it, it's the AHL. You know, not only do you deal with injuries like every team in every sport does, um, it doesn't really matter. That's something that's going to happen in sports. Um, and it doesn't matter who it is or what sport you're playing. Uh, in this case, the rain had injuries, the Kings had injuries. So you have, you know, your standard amount of call-ups and, and recalls that you'd, you know, expect. Multiply that by however many injuries you have. And suddenly there's a lot of movement up and down, right? Um, and then obviously at the, at the trade deadline, a few moves were made here and there um, to get some new bodies in the organization. And that's that's great. But given all of that, given what the team went through this year, and then seeing where the season went and how good they were, and then ultimately falling short in the second round, I think that makes a lot of sense. They had a good season. They didn't go all the way. They had a lot of call-ups. They were missing some guys that they thought they might get back. And at some point, things started to stall a little bit for the power play, which going in is something that Martin Furk had said, if the power play is working, we're winning games. And ultimately, it, it wasn't really working at the end. 
Um, the team started to play a little bit um, inconsistent. They were less consistent toward the end of the season. Um, and, and ultimately, they had a great regular season, um, an entertaining playoff run that, that ended, I think, sooner than people expected. But in the grand scheme of things, I think it was a good season. Now, after the game on Sunday, I kind of had this feeling like, you know what? They lost. That's okay. They had a great year. But I really didn't ever think during the regular season, in the middle of all the adversity that they faced, that the season would end in the second round with a sweep to Colorado. At no point did I ever expect anything like that. Afterwards, I think you start to, it's easier to tender your expectations when the outcome has already been revealed. Um, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but looking back, it, I think it's incredibly impressive what the team accomplished this year, even though I think they probably fell a little bit short of what both of us and a lot of other people were expecting when the team was having a historically good regular season. I think that's a good summary. I think, you know, for myself, I was a little bit disappointed with specifically the way that game three went down. I think that judging, you know, look, looking that the team was down two games to none and needed a desperation type performance to try to get back into the series. I think that I felt like maybe they had more left in the tank that they didn't, that they didn't empty out. And so I think initially I was kind of stunned that it ended the way it did because I felt like it was only two games in the series that there was still maybe more left in the tank to give. And, um, you know, sometimes there, there maybe just isn't. So, you know, be interested to see after a couple of days, how some of the guys are feeling, um, did, was there any injuries that players were playing through? Um, you know, it's not, we might not get the disclosures that you would necessarily get at the NHL level, but I do think, you know, Hey, guys were probably banged up and playing through some various ailments. Um, but you know, I think when I look at it and like you said about the power play in a playoff series, it's a little bit different than when you're facing teams during the regular season. And the rain did have some series of two or three games at a time during the regular season, but the playoffs when all your energy is focused on stopping the power play, if you're Colorado, um, you got to give the Eagles a lot of credit because they clearly made it a priority to try to shut down Ontario on the power play and they succeeded. Uh, the, the rain did not really threaten much on the power play. And specifically in game three, the rain did not have many opportunities on the power play. So I think that you give Colorado a lot of credit. And they were trending upward at the right time. Um, the Avalanche boosted their roster during the trading deadline for the NHL, and that may have pushed a few extra guys down to the Eagles. Um, but the other thing is, you know, from a goaltending perspective, you know, Eustace Anand, and you, you got to have great goaltending in the playoffs to be able to advance. And I think the rain got enough from Matt Valalta in the first round to, to get by San Diego, he had a little bit of a slow start in game one, but played well in game two. And then, you know, Volta only got a chance to play in one game uh, in the second round, and that wasn't even close to, to good enough, but it was only one game, and he never had, an, had the opportunity to bounce back or respond. I thought the rain got good goaltending from Garrett Sparks in, in games two and three, but the, the, way that, the way that Colorado played, 
they were the better team. And, uh, you know, you, you tip your hat to them. And it, it is, you know, with a shorter series, with a best of five series, it, it you know, the momentum shifts are so drastic. And, you know, seeing the rain come back in game two, force overtime, and thinking, wow, they're only one goal away from tying the series and coming home. And, you know, and then had two is, power play opportunities in overtime. Yeah, they, and they had their, they had seven shots on goal in overtime uh, in the first you know seven or so minutes before the Eagles scored that goal. So it is a sweep. You give the Eagles credit, but and and you know what? One of the games was a blowout, but it wasn't as far away. The rain weren't as far away as maybe it might look when you see a three zero sweep. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know what? Even in the ten one loss, not to make an excuse for obviously a ten one loss, as Brett Sutter said, when you get beat by nine, you should walk out of the building feeling embarrassed. But when you get home, it's over and done with, and you move on, right? But you know, it's it's a bad loss. But something we kind of got the vibe from the team staff too is analytically, after the first period, the rain did a lot of things well. It just wasn't working for them, and it wasn't their night, and it continued to progress um, in a really good way for Colorado and a bad way for the rain. Um, I know it's been five playoff games, but I think that just goes to show how hot Colorado is and how hot they are at the right time. Um, they were a team that I've got the notes in front of me right here. In the regular season, they were 28th of 31 teams on the penalty kill. They gave up one power play goal in their first five games. It was on Ontario's last power play chance in game three. They scored in the final six minutes. And the rain had a late push, but with that empty net goal, ultimately it didn't mean a whole lot to the, to the actual scoreline. Right. Um, so I, I think the empty net goal makes game three look worse than it probably was, but it was just the rain trying to get back in it and ultimately didn't have it. I mean, in the regular season, they were 76% on the penalty kill in the postseason until the final chance they were 100%. They entered game three, 22 of 22 on the kill. And on the power play through five games, top three in the AHL when in the regular season, they were not even mid-tier. So they were good against the rain because they're a fast and big and high-scoring team. They had the number two offense in the league, but it didn't really translate to the power play. And for Colorado, everything that they had struggled with in the regular season had flipped. Meanwhile, for the rain, everything that they had seemingly done well in the regular season kind of lacked consistency in the second round where the power play wasn't working. The penalty kill after game one was better, um, but they weren't generating as many chances as they had in the regular season. Uh, and things just weren't really being pieced together um, by Ontario. And again, they were a team that swarmed their opponents in the first period. And it just wasn't like that against Colorado. The Eagles were a team that trailed in the first and came back in the second. All, all regular season long. And in the postseason, they were the best first period team in the, in the AHL right now. So it was uh, it just really hats off to Colorado. And, and they came in with a good game plan. And, and they were able to, to quench an Ontario, you know, first period threat with scoring chances of their own. And I think that's what did it in game one. The game seemed to be over after one period, as well as the rain, you know, thought they played in the last two periods Colorado had kind of put the game away right and then in game three it was kind of the same where the rain had a push the Eagles came back a little bit took the lead and at that point if you can steal a goal at the end of the first period that, that's what they had done all postseason and and started to get ahead on opponents and they've scored first in every game so 
that's just something that Colorado did really well. And the rain tried to have an answer for, but it just didn't unfold the way Ontario wanted it to. And in, in the series against San Diego, again, only, only two games. So a short sample size, but it seemed like any time the rain needed something to go their way, momentum wise, even if they were fell behind at some points, they got what they needed. Like late in the first period in, in game number one, you know, you let up the first two goals and not only do you, score a couple to even the series, the the game, but then to actually get a third goal, take the lead at the end of the first. And it just seemed like things went their way in the first series. And then in the second series, it didn't go their way at all. It was completely the opposite. And you can look at the difference between facing San Diego and facing Colorado. The level went up and maybe the rain weren't a hundred percent prepared for that. Maybe the, the talent level, uh, caused them to make some mistakes. And, and the aggressiveness and the physicality of Colorado was unlike San Diego as well. They they just had a bigger, faster team overall. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And again, I think there are a lot of similarities between the rain and, and Colorado, um, both in the regular season with the two highest scoring offenses in the league, both with really good home records, um, both with the way that the power play sets itself up. Obviously, the rain had a record-setting power play Colorado's in the regular season um, against pretty much everybody except for the rain was painfully mediocre. They were very good against Ontario, but really bad against, not really bad, but inconsistent against everybody else. Um, But they just match up very well. And you know what? They got hot at the right time. And in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it really matters because the rain had their chances to win game two. They are one shot, one deflection, one fortunate bounce away from having a one, one series heading home for three straight games, you know, four and five, if necessary, or, or five, if necessary, but you start on the road in one of the toughest environments in the league and got off on the wrong foot in game one. And I think that kind of set the tone for game one, game two trailing, they fought to come back like they have all season long. And in the end, the bounces just didn't go their way. So of course you don't want to start at on the road in a best of five series when you were the higher seed, but that's, you know, the hand you were dealt. It's a cliche, but that's the hand you were dealt. Um, And really in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it mattered because they were a bounce away from winning game two. Um, And they were, I mean, quite literally inches from staying alive in game two and not losing game two with a goal that just squeaked past the goaltender and was cleared off the line, but after it was in the back of the net. So in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it matters um, starting on the road, but it just adds to that. You're kind of starting off on the wrong foot. Are you going to be able to bounce back? Um, was the effort there? Maybe. Were the chances there? Maybe. But did it go your way? It didn't. And it seemed like that was kind of the vibe around the team too, especially when it came to getting back to the details of playing rain hockey after that 10 to one loss in game one. I think the rain got back to it, but it still didn't really turn into a positive result in the end. We spoke to assistant coach Chris Height as we do after each and every single game. Uh, and it was fresh, but here's his thoughts after game three and the season coming to an end for the rain. Well, uh, first of all, it's a very good hockey team on the other side. And uh, for three games, they played uh, really good hockey. Uh, again, they're a fast team that has uh, uh, four lines that can play in 60 and and their goaltender played excellent so give them a lot of credit for how they played and and what they did again they're a good four checking team that 
uh, were able to get on the forecheck, force some turnovers on us. And um, tonight it was you know, some rush uh, opportunities that they scored on. So, again, a, good, a team that has good, good team speed and we were able to ultimately uh, get it done with, with being over top and, and making sure our sword outs were, were good. Uh, and thought uh, Garrett gave us a real good effort, especially in the second period. We were able to keep us in it. Um, definitely happy with, with him in his last two games. And uh, from the amount of time he missed, he played very well for us and gave us a chance to win. So, again, uh, things that uh, obviously we didn't do uh, good enough uh, to win uh, as a team that we uh, you know, maybe did, did all year. Um, but, uh, you know, go back to game two and, you know, you lose in overtime and, um, you know, it doesn't ultimately happen uh, tonight for us. So, um, you know, learning experience for, for us as a group. And, um, but, a, but again, a real uh, good group of guys in there that care very much that are definitely, definitely very upset in that room. We want to thank Chris Height uh, for his insight, both during the playoffs and throughout the season. Uh, as he's one of those people that was thrust into a role that he didn't have at the beginning of the year, but uh, he was great with us all season long, uh, took every question that we had, and we really appreciate uh, him going through everything with us. And yeah, you know, you look at his, what he had to say, and, you know, obviously he's going to tip his hat to Colorado like, like we just did. But, um, you know, the one thing that he did mention and that we, we agreed with is that Garrett Sparks, in a situation where he hadn't played almost any time down the stretch, had to come in in a, in a very demanding situation and held himself very well. I, I think, you know, if you look at the stats, yeah, you don't want to be allowing four to five goals a game. That's that's probably more than you want your goalie to allow. But when you look at the quality chances that he had to fend off, uh, first in an overtime game where the rain were in it, in it and were able to come back, and then in a game where they really didn't have a ton of grade A offensive chances, he was turning out breakaways, odd man rushes. I thought that Garrett Sparks stepped in and, and deserved some praise for what he did in the last two games. And what I'm about to say is not a slight at the rest of the team at all, but in two games, Garrett Sparks played well enough to have two wins, even while giving up, I believe it was nine goals in two games. Um, and you know, how Garrett Sparks is that guy would give anything to keep that puck from slowly rolling over the, the goal line in game two for the overtime winner. Um, and, you know, he played so well considering his last game before game two was March 18th. His last game before that was January, um, early January. Um, and he stepped in and looked like he hadn't missed a day. Um, so, uh, and, and, I think we all kind of knew what Garrett Sparks was capable of. Obviously it had been a while, but you saw him go out to Washington DC against Alex Ovechkin and the Capitals, and they've got a high scoring offense and he stole a game for the LA Kings this year. He stole a few games for the rain this year. Um, so you knew what he was capable of. He's, he's a, an experienced goalie and he seemed to be the primary option. Once um, Matt Villalta wasn't available for games two and three and Sparks, played incredibly well. And I was very impressed with how he stepped in. Um, he was backed up by, by John Letheman in game two. And, and, and Letheman is, um, again, from an AHL standpoint, he only has a few games of experience, but he's had two full seasons in the ECHL. He's a little bit older than some of the other guys. And I think on the road trip, Letheman would have been a guy that 
the team probably felt like they could rely on as well. So um, the two of them stepped in and, and I thought Sparks was very good. And ultimately, even even in game two, when I think the effort was there for not only Sparks, but for the team, it just came a little bit short. And, you know, kind of like what we said about the power play and about that overtime goal, you know, Sparks and that team would give anything to to have that game back, to have a second more, to have goal line that's just a little bit wider um, to, to clear that puck off the goal line and keep going in overtime again, too. As we transition more of a full season review slash recap here, um, figured we'd start off with some more audio that we got after game number three against Colorado from Cameron Gauntz, uh, leader on this team all season, instrumental role player on defense, helping guide young defenders in this organization in the right way. And, um, you know, we asked him what he'd remember about this season and what he would take away. And it was, it was a great answer. I think we had a number of uh, unforeseen circumstances that came up throughout the year, and I thought we did a good job dealing with it. I thought the ability of a lot of guys to deal with, like I mentioned, the adversity um, was very commendable. Uh, it shows a lot about the character as players, but as people. Um, the other thing I'm going to take away is uh, as your career goes on, there's certain uh, friendships and relationships you keep forever and certain ones you don't, not because you dislike the person, but just because values, priorities, um, things like that. But with this team, I can honestly count on potentially more than one hand guys who I plan on staying in touch with for a long, long time. And um, again, that's something that I, I cherish in my life. Um and that's what I'm going to try to take away from this. Josh, we can start right there with, with Cameron. I, I mean, he was someone who, from a reliability standpoint, was in almost every single game that he had one minor injury that kept him out about a week, week and a half. So he was in the lineup for most of the season. He started the year on a PTO. Wasn't even sure if he'd be here all season. And he was one of the leaders all year, even when he was on that PTO. Uh, you know, I think guys were starting to look to him for leadership and he was almost trying to dial it down saying, Hey man, maybe talk to Martin Furk, maybe talk to Brett Sutter about that one. I, I'm not even sure, but obviously once he, once he signed that, that standard contract for the rest of the year, he, he grew as a, as a player, as a leader. And, you know, he had some huge goals for this team, obviously not a huge goal scorer, not someone they're relying on for goal scoring, but. He did some great things, and uh, you know, if it's decided that you know from both sides, if he would like to come back, if the Rain would like to have him back, he could be a huge piece of this team moving forward. Amron Gauntz is among probably four or five players on this team that easily could be team captain. Um, and you look at the two players that he was partnered with on the blue line for pretty much the majority of the season. Uh, most recently. Uh, Helge Granz, he turned 20 last week. The other, Jordan Spence, he turned 21 two months ago. I mean, he was paired with the two youngest defensemen on this team for most of the season um, and had success with both of them. And those are two players that, one, Jordan Spence was a first-team uh, was a first-team all-star in the AHL. And another one was Helge Gran, somebody who we didn't think or didn't really expect was going to be uh, an everyday player, at least as a 19-year-old in his first 
AHL season and his first pro season in North America. And at 19 years old, second round pick, he played every game. Um, and he was a guy that for most of the year was paired with, or for at least half a season, after, especially after Spence had gone up and down or missed some time, um, was paired with Cameron Gauntz. Um, so it, I think it just speaks volumes when you've got a guy like Gonser saying things like, there are guys on this team, I can't count on one hand how many players I, I intend to stay in touch with, regardless of what happens in the offseason, what happens next year. Um, and I think it just speaks volumes for how how close and, and, and tight-knit the group was. And it seemed like that was something that um, that a lot of players on the team had said throughout the year. Um, and I told him this afterwards, uh, after this interview, um, players like Cameron Gauntz make our job so easy. I mean, it is so easy to talk to the players and the coaches and, and feel like you belong and, and they allow you to do your job. And Cameron Gauntz is one of them, along with guys like Martin Furk and, and Brett Sutter, Matt Vallalta, all those, all of those guys, uh, among, among others that we don't have time to list all of them, but they make it so easy. Um, and, and they're so easy to work with. And, and Gauntz is one of those guys. He was the only member of the team's opening night blue line that was still on the team when playoffs started. The other five members of that defense were Kale Clegg, who was lost to a waiver claim by the Montreal Canadiens. Austin Strand ended up finishing the season with the Kings. Jacob Muvarara uh, finished the season with the Kings. Sean Dersey finished the season with the Kings. Jordan Spence finished the season with the Kings. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, when you look back and again, what, what is your team on opening night? Well, that's just what it is at that moment of the season, uh, that blue line from opening night, that wasn't a consistent blue line for the team all year. You know, most of those guys, yeah, Strand, Moverari, Dersey for the first couple months. And then Spence played a lot of games with the rain, but that wasn't consistently what the team's blue line looked like. You maybe want to go to you know, December when they started to really see more of consistency in the lineup, especially on the defensive side of things. You had uh, Moverari, you had Spence, Austin Strand, Helge Granz, as you mentioned, Christian Milanen ended up playing a bunch of games. Marcus Phillips played a bunch of games before he was traded at the trading deadline. But it, it you know, it, it, it was a rotating group that had to deal with some losses and look, the rain weren't setting any defensive records this season. It was an offensive record setting season, but that group was able to hold it together uh, and, and make sure that through it all, the rain were still in first or second place in the Pacific division, the entirety of the season. And I think there's something to be said for that. And when you look at the development of the quick development, of a lot of these guys on defense, they went from playing pretty big minutes in the AHL to playing pretty big minutes in the NHL. And even guys who didn't play down the stretch for the Kings or maybe didn't play in the playoffs like Moverari, like Strand, when they were in for the Kings, you could argue that most of the time they were in, yeah, they probably had their moments, but most of the games that they were in, they were pretty effective and they could be counted on. We talked about that all year, but I think that's, when you go back and you think about this team and especially on the defensive side of things, you think about the amount of players that were not only capable at the, at the AHL level, but were capable 
at the NHL level. And I think from a coaching staff perspective, that makes those guys feel good from, from a fan perspective. If you're a fan of the rain, you got to watch a lot of guys who are NHL caliber talent this year. So I think that's got to be one of the things you can remember, even though you didn't have the playoff run you wanted, you can remember that if you came to a game at any point during the year, you saw a lot of guys who can play in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, there was a time earlier this year where a, a, a visiting broadcaster came into our booth and, you know, we, we talk with the, the visiting broadcasters all the time. And I honestly can't remember who it was and what team it was from, but whoever we were talking to that night took a look at our lineup and said, you guys are rolling out two legitimate NHL lines at forward every game. And I want to say at that time, it was probably Ferk, Tynan, Anderson, Dolan. And the second one I believe was coach Ev who'd played some time in the, with the Kings already and Byfield and Velarde or something like that. And it's like, that's just the top two lines. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the defense, but it was something that, that, that was up and down all season with, with, at forward, at goalie, at defense, uh, 54 players dressed for Ontario this year. That's the fourth most in the league uh, and by far the most in the division. And of those 54, 11 made their AHL debuts. They were rookies. Uh, and then, for Ontario, 17 players were called up to the Kings this year. Six made their NHL debuts. Uh, and of those 17 players, they combined for over 250 games for the LA Kings this year. A lot of those are, are coming from Sean Dersey. Um, and then toward the end of the season, obviously, uh, Velarde and Kapari um, and, and Byfield and Spence, a lot of those guys were up at the end of the year. But I think it just speaks volumes when you have all of those players. And again, I mean, that you rain fans this year saw legitimate NHL talent playing in the NHL's top development league uh, for most of this season, because there are so many good young players. Um, so obviously there were a lot of lineup changes, but it just shows how good and consistent the team was without, you know, your consistent lineup. And then the last thing I was going to say was I don't have my opening night board in front of me right now. I've got the playoff board. From game three, the last game of the season, and you go up and down on some of the names. And, you know, Vladimir Kochev, you know, in the preseason, the first couple of games was with the Kings, you know, Velarde and Wagner, some of these guys. Well, Lannon had, was not with the organization for what seemed like 45 minutes and then came back. Um, but you had some guys that were going up and down. So excluding some of the ones that went up and down for most of the season, this final roster for Ontario includes. John Lefferman, David Hrennick, Nelson Noje, and, and Freddie Allard, who were acquired at the deadline. Kim Nozianen, who came over. Thomas Hickey, who I don't think a lot of people expected to be playing with the LA Kings organization again. And, and, and here he is coming over at the deadline. Tyler Anamoto, um, Taylor Ward played a huge impact at the end of the season, among others. Um, and a couple other Kings prospects like Lee and Hellenius, who came over. But um, that was just the game three roster in the Calder Cup playoffs of the second round. But there were just so many different guys who played this year. And the opening night lineup, let alone, let's say, the first game of the preseason roster, looks incredibly different than what it was now. And obviously, five of the, st five of the defensemen who played for Ontario on opening night um, were not on the roster by the end of the season. Yeah, and you look at some of the performances on the offensive side from the rain and we have to start with tj tynan uh he's the league mvp for the second consecutive year and he earned it and we talked a lot about it on this podcast so you know i don't want to go 
go too far down down a road on that, but 98 points in 62 games, point per game average of, of about 1.6. Uh, he scored more power play points than 12 different teams scored power play goals in the AHL. Uh, he made his living on the power play, as he's done in the past, but when you look at his numbers, he's always been an excellent player in this league, and this year he took it to the next level. And last year, seemed like he started to take it to the next level, which is why he was the MVP. He just didn't have as many games to do it with. And, you know, we talked to him a little bit at, at the end of the season after he had won, and, you know, I think he tried to – Obviously, you don't want to take anything away from last year's season, but last year's season was just so different. And, you know, I think he really had a great bond this year with with Martin Furk. And, you know, those two guys both earned awards at the end of the year. Furk, uh, an all-AHL second-team player, 73 points, 40 goals. And, you know, for, for those two, I think at the beginning of the year, they were amazing. The team was a little more well-rounded. And then when the team thinned out a little bit and there were some other guys that had to step up and other guys had to play bigger minutes, Tynan and Firk took on that load. They took on the burden and they were the ones who made sure that this team didn't go downhill. And, you know, that's why for me, TJ Tynan was the MVP of the reign, ended up being the MVP of the league. But even just from a reign perspective, he was the most important player because he never let that standard slip. He never let anything go downhill. Even if their team was having an off night, he found a way to, to get the puck in the back of the net and make sure that they were back in the game. There were so many games where Ontario came back in the third period, came back you know, from, from deficits because Tynan didn't want it, it to go downhill. He, he didn't let it happen, and um, that's pretty, pretty, pretty darn valuable. You, you talk about a goalie that can steal you a game, but – TJ Tynan and Martin Furk can absolutely steal you a game. And it doesn't matter how many goals you're down in the third period. Like those two can get it done. Um, and, you know, we, I don't think we ever truly saw a consistent third player on that line. It was a different guy all the time. And it didn't matter who it was. They were on the score sheet. They not, not only were they benefiting from Tynan and Furk, but they were setting up Tynan and Furk, whether it was Vladimir Kochev, you know, Tyler Madden. I mean, come on, Taylor Ward signed at the end of the season after completing his season in college hockey and was on that line for a week or so. And he was on the score sheet every game. Um, it doesn't matter who was the, the left wing on that line. They were scoring and were a huge part of the offense. Um, and it seemed like once you move that player off that line and they go somewhere else, then they are suddenly the best player on their line and contributing elsewhere in the offense. Um, and I think that's just kind of the impact that, that TJ Tynan and Martin for, for that matter, um, had on a lot of the players on this team. Um, and those are two of the guys again, that uh, you can include in that conversation that you've got a bunch of veterans. You, you essentially have a bunch of guys on this team that, that, that could be captain, you know, um, and they all kind of played that role in their own way um, and served as the leaders on this team all in their own way um, for so many young players in the organization. And again, 54 players suited up for the rain this year. Um, so it helps when you have veteran players 
like that group that are there to kind of set the tone, set the standard for what's expected with the team uh, and help lead both on and off the ice. And, and, and players like TJ Tynan definitely did that. Other guys that, that deserve recognition on the offensive side of things, other than to the Tynan and Ferk, who are the two clear-cut uh, top, top-end players. But, of course, Jared Anderson Dolan took some big steps in his game. It, it's interesting. He's kind of a guy who and there were a few of them, you know, Austin Strand, probably another one that played a lot of minutes and time with the Kings last year. And, you know, the taxi squad roster being available helped with that situation too, as far as, you know, there was a lot more room on the NHL roster and Anderson Dolan was up there the entire season. Austin Wagner was up there the entire season and Anderson Dolan did receive a couple call-ups well-deserved this year, but the space on the rosters, I mean, it's, it's just tough, you know? So I think for him, it was definitely a step forward as far as his AHL game, his reliability, his dependability. I think he did a lot of things right, but it, it has to be even better to make an impact at the NHL level, which he was unable to do when, when he did get limited, very limited time with the Kings, a, a guy in the same boat as Samuel Fagimo, uh, came over, before the shortened season last year, had a good season. Now this year, got a call up, had a few games, got to play with Andre Kopitar on the top line for the LA Kings, which is an amazing accomplishment for him as a young player, and finished with 27 goals and 44 points. So an outstanding season for Fagimo. Uh, but again, when you look at the LA Kings roster, and the players that are under contract for next season and the players that the Kings may try to bring in to supplement that roster, there's still not a lot of room for a guy like Fagimo. He, he has to take his game to the next level and force himself onto that NHL roster. And that also goes for Gabe Velarde, who ended up playing 40 games with the rain or 39 games with the rain, 38 points. And of course is an absolutely dynamite player at the AHL level, uh, but found himself in the playoffs, but in and out of the lineup in the playoffs. So he's another guy who's fighting for a roster spot in the NHL next year. And Tyler Madden, unfortunately, had an injury later in the season. Wasn't as serious of an injury as he had to come back from the year before. Ended up making it in 48 games, had 31 points. Good, A good season for Madden. Uh, definitely steps in the right direction. I'd say probably a little further behind guys like Anderson Dolan, Fagimo, Velarde, but still someone who is on the cusp of, of potentially being in the NHL with the Kings and, and probably will find his, his time in the NHL at some point soon. Um, and the last guy, last two guys, I should say, um, that, I, that I wanted to touch on, number one being Alex Turcotte, uh, who... Ended up also making his NHL debut. He finished finished playing in 27 games during the regular season and then a few more in the playoffs. And, you know, unfortunately for Alex, it was a very frustrating year with injuries once again. Uh, 18 points. So not a a lack of offense when he was in. Uh, Not not a point a game necessarily, but, you know, .67. It's it's not terrible on the offensive side of things. And – you know, we all know with Turcotte, it's not necessarily about the scoring either. He he does so many things when he's out there. 
But for him, the injuries have just continued to be the story and started right from rookie camp uh, with a few with a few unfortunate things that happened there. And, and uh, you know, for him, again, all the talent there for, to make the NHL, but the consistency of actually being in the lineup and being healthy, sometimes out of his control, obviously, you know, you get hit and, you know, basically blindsided in the playoffs. Uh, so not something you can control, but another guy who has to find a way next year to force himself into a already crowded forward group for the LA Kings. And, and uh, the last guy, of course, Akil Thomas, who former second round pick had an extremely slow start, but looked at to be at his best down the stretch and in the playoffs, both on an offensive and the defensive side of the game, winning faceoffs, playing penalty kill minutes. Uh, another guy who probably will make it to the NHL at some point, but will he be able to carve out a regular role? Will he be able to force himself into the lineup? Remains to be seen, um, but definitely some strides in the right direction for him after a pretty frustrating middle of the season. Yeah, the three guys you just mentioned all um, individually missed at least two months of this season, um, which is frustrating for them, uh, and and I can't even imagine what that's like. Um, but when all of them came back, for, for Akil, I think it took a little bit longer, but when Turcotte came back for the final game in Henderson and then the, the three playoff games that he played in, I thought... Alex Turcotte looked great. And when Madden came back, I think that Tyler Madden stepped into a, a difficult situation of first game back and the team's losing pretty badly in game one and trying to fight back in game two of, uh, of the second round of the playoffs. I thought Madden, um, if you tender the expectations of you know what you expected from the team in the second round, I think looked pretty good. It took a little while for Akil Thomas, but when he scored his first goal, it was up from there for the rest of the season. I think he scored in San Diego, and after that game, I think he was arguably Ontario's best player. After after he scored his first goal of the year in April through the end of the playoffs, I think he was Ontario's best player. I mean, he was on the score sheet seemingly every game, every other game from the second week of April through the playoffs. Um, and, and Akil's one of those guys that was phenomenal as a rookie last year. In the shortened season, he was seventh in the league in scoring among rookies. Took a little while to get going this year, but once it got going, he didn't slow down. Uh, and that's what all three of these guys can do. So obviously you, you want guys to stay healthy. Th those three injuries were some of the adversity that not just they faced, but the team faced all season was trying to fill those spots in the lineup when those guys went down. And, you know, obviously there were points in the season where they were out at the same time. It's not like it was alternating one after the other. There were times when Tons of guys were out all at once and guys were getting called up to the Kings. Um, but those three are, are three players that I think could have really big futures in the organization, but again, are trying to fill spots that, that maybe aren't available yet. A couple guys who joined the roster late that we think are, have a good chance of being back with the rain. Obviously anything can happen. Some of these players are foreign. They might elect to play overseas, but, we believe there's a good chance uh, to see guys back next year that join the roster late in Andre Lee, Samuel Helanius up front, two extremely big forwards who started to learn the pro game a little bit, but 
probably have a long way to go as far as learning the North American pro game. Uh, you've got Taylor Ward who joined the team and, and you mentioned him, Josh is being able to fill in on the top line. He's under contract for next season as well. Uh, could be back with the rain on defense. Kim Nosiainen didn't see any playoff action. Probably may, probably may would, would have been the next guy in if there was an injury on the blue line. Um, he played in eight games down the stretch, had two assists, and I know we were both pretty impressed with what we saw from him late in the season. Uh, he'll be a guy who is under contract with the Kings that could potentially be back with the rain next season. So those are some guys who you know, didn't play the whole year, but probably we'll see them back. Obviously, Helga Granz falls into that category as well as a, a very young player, except for uh, he played 56 games. So uh, a much larger sample size for Granz, but also expected to to return to the rain next year and, and make up part of that blue line. So there are some young players that that are moving ahead. There, you know, we did not get a chance to see Martin Chromiak this year. His season just finished up. He played with the rain uh, at the end of two years ago. Last um, year, two games though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then uh, and then you know, there's some other players that that the Kings have in their pipeline that we might see next year. So. The, the talent prospect pool is still very, very deep. There are still a lot of players uh, that could be counted on, and, and we didn't even hit the goaltending yet. So I figured we should quickly touch on goaltending. Uh, obviously, Matt Vallalta was, was the guy this year for the rain and well-deserved. He, he took the, the reins. Uh, we, we've made that pun a couple times. Nice. And he was great uh, the whole season. So, again... He's kind of at a crossroads. I, I think he was at a crossroads beginning of the year, as in, can this guy be a, a starter in the AHL? I think he answered that. Yes, he can. So now the next crossroads is, can he make the jump from AHL to NHL? And again, the Kings don't have room for that right now. They've got Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson. They're both under contract. But for Matt Vallalta, there was an opportunity to for someone else to play a game in December, it went to Garrett Sparks. Garrett Sparks has more experience. He's an older goaltender. He's not under contract for next season. For Volalta, is he the guy who would get that spot start if the Kings need it? Maybe, but he hasn't gotten that opportunity yet. That's probably the next step in his career is to play a game in the NHL to, to try to get to the next level. And then beyond him, the Reign have a whole bunch of guys that are that are still developing and, and trying to get their AHL game together. We saw a little bit of David Hrennick down the stretch after he finished his collegiate career with St. Cloud State. He has a lot of experience at the collegiate level. Thought we saw some good things from him in his limited time in the AHL. He's under contract for next season with the Kings. Probably going to be a good candidate to be on the rain roster next year. Jacob Ingham is still under contract. Ingham, unfortunately, had a couple injuries this year. Did not play as many games as I think maybe the Kings organization, the Reign organization, would have liked to see him play at the AHL level. But the combination of him not performing as well when he was in and Matt Vallalta taking the lead and taking those games for himself, uh, plus an injury to Ingham down the stretch. He didn't play many games. It would be interesting to see, you know, maybe next year, does he factor in at all a little bit more? And then a couple guys who are on AHL deals this year. Uh, who could consider? Who could still factor in, but a little bit less, a little bit more murky on their future. Lucas Parikh, who is in 
who was in the postseason. I believe he was eliminated actually last night with Rapid City. Uh, they were in a little bit of a postseason run there in the ECHL uh, against the Utah Grizzlies, another affiliate of the Colorado uh, organization who was doing well in the postseason. And then John Letheman, who you touched on, Josh, who got a couple games this year, uh, but just on an AHL contract, I think, you know, great to see him get experience in the AHL. Don't think that he is in the long-term plans for the Kings as far as NHL time, uh, but definitely someone who's reliable, who proved himself as a depth goaltender for the Rain organization this year on an AHL contract. Yeah, and I'll start with, with Valalta and Sparks because this is something we've talked about a few times too. We talked about it with Jesse Cohen. Um, and on our first episode of the year, I think the question was kind of who's the number three for the Kings? Who's the starting goaltender for the rain? What does that mean? And I feel like we both came in thinking Sparks will probably be the starter or the number one, and Valalta will probably log a lot of time. And by the time we did our first podcast, we kind of said, I think Valalta's the number one but maybe Sparks is the number three for the Kings. Like if they need to put somebody in, I bet it's Garrett Sparks. And that's what it was, you know? Um, and Sparks is that guy that, that that he could be the insurance option for the Kings. But Volalta, this was his year with the rain. And he came in as the quote-unquote number one a few years ago when Cal Peterson officially graduated to the Kings. He played about half a season with the rain as the supposed number one. And then last year, you had a couple guys. You had Troy Grosnick, who actually had a great year in the AHL this year in the Bruins organization. You had J.F. Barube, someone who won the Calder Cup with the Manchester Monarchs. Uh, and then you had Volalta. So you had all three. And I think the Matt Volalta we saw last year for the rain in the short season and the Matt Volalta we saw this year for a team that finished second in the division and won 41 games is a completely different goaltender. And I think that that's the step that a lot of people wanted to see this year from Matt E.V. And I think we saw it. Um, and with everybody else, I'll give my quick thoughts. I think David Rennick is really good. I think he's probably in the plans for next year for Ontario. Um, and, you know, Ingham is a big, a big goalie. He's, 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 I feel like he's part of the newer breed where you're starting to get the really big goalies. I think he's kind of in that mix. Um, and obviously he's had some unfortunate injuries. John Letheman was somebody who was going to go to the rookie tournament this year in Arizona as a 25 year old, but he's still kind of fits that bill for the for the Kings organization where he could go. He ended up not making the trip. Um, but again, in the two games or the two or three games we saw him for the rain this year, I thought Letheman was really impressive. Um, and he's been good in the ECHL. He has, you know, that pro experience now, not really in the American League, but but in, in the coast he does. Um, so so he's a good option for the rain moving forward as well. And then Lucas Parikh, he came into a couple of tough situations, had the benefit of playing behind the league's best offense. And he made the big saves that he needed to make. Um, and again, you know, we talk about 54 players that played for the rain this year. And there were a ton of goalies. And ultimately, they all pretty much did what was asked of them. Um, so they all played well enough to win games. They all played well enough to to give the offense time to get going when it needed that time. Um, and and ultimately, you know, Valalta won 28 games this year. He was the number one. But everybody who played after that... Um, filled their role, and, and they filled it well. As we wrap things up here on our season recap episode of the Rain Check, uh, we will be continuing the Rain Check during the offseason, and we will be talking to some players, coaches, about their year, about their offseason, as they prepare for their next season of pro hockey. 
Um, and it, it's just been an awesome year. We, we've seen so many great performances, as Josh just mentioned, you know, really in, in all three areas, forwards, defense, goaltending, a lot of growth amongst players. And we will try to keep keep episodes coming to you a few times each month based on what news we have. You know, if, if there's a player signing, we'll try to bring him on. Uh, if there's, you know, any news with management, new hires on, you know, the, the athletic training staff or the equipment staff and things like that, we will we will bring you some interviews and, and hopefully bring you a little bit more behind the scenes on how things take shape as the rain look to build their team for next year. And it's crazy to, to think about next year because this year just ended, but the off season will go quick. Uh, you've got June, July, August, and then players are right back here uh, for training camp. There's going to be development camp. Of course, I'm sure some guys uh, who are young prospects might find their way into development camp and will be on site for that as well. So It'll be uh, a quick off season, Josh, but but won't won't be off season for us. We're still gonna have some episodes here of the rain check to keep everybody informed and in the know as we get set for the twenty two twenty three year. I thought we had some really fun conversations this year. Um, you know, Brett Sutter is great to talk to. Um, Cameron Gauntz is just the man, and we had him on the air um, for the last game of the regular season in Henderson, um, and then we had. Tons of other people in the organization as well. You know, we had, we had members of the staff. We had obviously um, players and, and we had some really fun conversation. And that just because the season is over for Ontario doesn't mean that those have to end here on the podcast. So I'm looking forward to continue doing those. But in regard to looking forward to next year, um, the season ended Sunday. Yesterday, I sat down and, and fired up the Xbox and played NHL um, for the first time in probably two months. And I started a brand new GM mode because I'm already ready for a new season. So hopefully the off season doesn't take too long. I don't think it will, um, but we'll still have some fun, fun content coming your way um, in this uh, in the summer months. And uh, and eventually the season will be right around the corner again. We appreciate everybody taking time to listen to this. And um, it's been great for us. We enjoy talking rain, obviously. And uh, we're definitely going to, like Josh said, continue it. But we appreciate everybody who has been tuning in. We appreciate everybody's support all season long. And we're looking forward to a fun off season and a great beginning to the new year in uh, October. We also have the uh, Empire Classic that's going to be held in Ontario. That's going to come up in, uh, in late September. So that will be a, an awesome kickoff to the season in Ontario having an NHL preseason game be played at Toyota arena will be a lot of fun. There'll be some great prospects in that game. I'm sure definitely some guys who have donned the rain Jersey that will get a chance to once again, play at, at Toyota arena. And I know we had Kings versus Kings this year, but you know, actually having it be a, a full game will be uh, a little bit different and a great moment for, for some of those guys who have graduated to the Kings to be able to step back in, in Toyota arena. So um, that's going to be a great moment as well. If if you don't have your tickets for that, well, there's plenty that are available, and we're looking forward to filling the building for the Empire Classic against the San Jose Sharks coming up in September. But until then, uh, we will not be going anywhere. We will still have more episodes. You know where to find us. Uh, if you if you have any suggestions, if you want to hit us up, definitely uh, shoot us a message on Twitter. We are 
going to still be active on there as well. And uh, we appreciate everyone's support. So thanks again to everybody. And we will talk to you all soon.